All right, guys. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of Real Talk. Jeff here. Brad here. Brad, how are you, man? I'm doing well, man. I am doing pretty good here today. 1-0 feels great. 1-0 does feel good for me as well. Uh, why wouldn't it? We'll talk about those uh, those two games in a minute here. But uh, i like to start off by thanking everybody that tuned in to our first ever Real Talk Live on Sunday morning at 9. Um, for me, it was a huge hit. Uh, Brad, what did you think, man? Yeah, I remember when we were um, getting ready to do our first live show. And um, we were hoping that we would get to 10. We thought that would be really cool. And, you know, enough of you guys tuned in. We, I don't think we ever dropped below 10. I mean, Jeff started it, and I couldn't even join before six or seven people were in there. So it was uh, it was really nice to see, and I hope you guys all enjoy the uh, interactive fun part of all of us kind of getting together before the games. Yeah, and this is going to be something that me and Brad are uh, – we're going to do weekly. We've committed to that unfortunately <laughs> we we both already committed to something else this sunday so neither one of us will be available to do a live pod but we promise you after this one of us will be able to do every sunday we'll hit you guys up with real talk live but before we get started on our game to game breakdowns i would love to hear feedback on what you thought of our a start time b our end time we went from 9 to 10. Now we did run over 10 o'clock because your guys' questions were still popping in. And, and we're not going to just close it down just because it's 10 o'clock. Like, oh, 10 o'clock, we're just going to you know cut it. It just happened to be one of those things where we're going to go at least an hour. Um, we would love for you guys to be able to get on and join us on the pod one of those times. I know that's something that me and Brad had both talked about, um, that we would like to have somebody on to kind of uh, challenge us or argue with us or – or even highlight their their own team's situation that maybe we did not do. Uh, you know, I'm sure, uh, you know, a game that maybe comes to mind would be, I don't think we even talked Bears-Lions. You know, if, if there's a Lions fan or a Bears fan that wanted to jump on, we would have we would have welcomed that. And uh, we'll, we'll take your feedback. We are discussing potentially doing a two-hour show. If that's something you guys would want to want to see, let us know. Brad's open to it. I'm open to it. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, um, keep in mind, let us know what you think. Um, you know, we're not opposed to starting earlier, but we don't really want to go past 11. We want you guys to feel that you guys can still watch other countdown shows afterwards or you have enough time to get wherever you need to go to watch the games yourself. But, um, yeah, we are we are more than happy to go. You know, one hour we covered only half the games, if that. So we'd like to get to them all and – and we had a lot of uh, input from people watching. And it was just, it was really a fun time. I don't know if there was anybody in there that just wasn't having fun. I know we both were. So complete success. And we loved that you guys loved it. Yeah, absolutely success. Tons of fun. It was definitely probably the most fun I've had recording any sort of pod yet. Um, and uh, last but not least, I think we would be disappointing everyone if we didn't touch on the Big Ten coming back today, announcing they are going to be back October 24th. What's your excitement level on that, Brad? Um, definitely super excited. And I know there can be some drawbacks on, you know, it's only eight games or what if we can't play in the playoff? And I know all that can hurt a little bit, but we get to see our teams play. And 
you know, we can't just not be happy with that as well. I know the times are challenging and maybe not everyone believes we should be doing all the things we are, but that's out of our control. Big Ten's playing and we get to watch uh, our Michigan and Ohio State play. And if you're a fan of, you know, I know there's some Penn State, Michigan State. I'm sure there's fans of all the teams out there, but get to see Big Ten play and that's got to be exciting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And be on the lookout for a a Big Ten season preview coming here in the next couple of weeks. But without further ado, let's uh, go ahead and start off. We're going to go basically right in order from 1 o'clock on Sunday all the way until 9.30 or 10 o'clock on Monday night games. So let's start off here with Eagles-Washington. First off, all offseason, me and you were pretty vocal about Washington and Jacksonville probably not winning a single game. And Washington comes out. And they score 20 straight in the second half to take the win. Wentz has three total turnovers. It's the factor of the game. What's your what's your initial insight on this one, Brad? You know, um, never, never once did I think that the Eagles would lose this game. But I know before our Saturday pod, I did talk to you a little bit on how I thought that the front seven of the Washington football team could make it difficult for the Eagles with how many injuries they have to their offensive front. I believe there's five former first round picks on the defensive line or front seven of the Washington football team. So I knew they were going to create havoc. Eight sacks is incredible. The fact that they scored 21-7 points is incredible. I have the luxury of working with the Eagles fans, so it's obviously fun to poke fun that the other Pennsylvania team lost. But at the same time, he enlightened me, and I don't know if you guys know this, Washington didn't have a single drive, which they scored, that was over 50 yards. I believe the longest was 47. So turnovers were definitely a huge part of this game. Um And the defense was just left out to dry. I think the Eagles' defense is much better than this 27, but the offense started slow, and they just they could they couldn't find their footing after their second touchdown. They uh, it was all Washington for the rest of the game. Yeah, I'm just not really sure what to think of Philadelphia at this point. I mean, last year they were injured pretty much all year, and they're not real beat up right now. I mean, they had Deshaun Jackson back. There was talk that Jalen Rager was going to miss some time, and he played. He actually had a 55-yard catch. I, I just Miles Sanders is beat up, and you know their their number one guy was Dallas Goddard. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just don't know what to even make of Philadelphia at this point. Anybody that has criticisms of Philadelphia, they're completely justified. It's hard to really argue them. Um, the one thing I will say is. I'm going to put a little bit of this loss on the fact they didn't have Miles Sanders. They were not able to run the ball at all. They had 57 carries. I'm sorry, 57 total rush yards. But they didn't try to run it a whole lot either. So, Well, their uh, last offensive lineman on their roster had to come in and play. Their right tackle was out. Their right guard gone for the year. Their left guard got injured during the game. Their best backup before the year, uh, Andre Dillard, I think his name is, who was their uh, – a good offensive lineman out. They were so riddled with injuries up front and the defensive or the front seven is the best part of Washington's team. So, I mean, it really was just, it was just a mismatch of the day, but there you go. Finding the silver lining for the Eagles. Whenever they lose, it seems like the Cowboys lose too. Yeah. It's that whole division obviously is a mess because 
the Washington football team is number one in the division. Losses to the Eagles, losses to the Cowboys, losses to the Giants. It's a wild scene here. I don't think this will last very long. (laughs) But especially because it's not like Washington dominated the game. They actually ran it very poorly. They ran it 80 total yards, but, I mean, they probably averaged somewhere in the vicinity of, like, two yards a carry. Not very good. Um, Yeah, their most volume runner had uh, 17 carries for only 29 yards. Yeah, it just – it. Not a good outing by from them at all. At all. Uh, Haskins was just over 50% passing, one touchdown, no picks. Um, at, this this was a sloppy football game, to say the least. Not anything that uh, people are going to brag about. I doubt Washington really moves forward here. Um, I don't even know who they have week two, but I would probably project them to lose. Just taking a wild guess out there. They're not a very good football team. The Eagles just played very, very poorly. All right. Moving right along, a game that I watched all 60 minutes of, uh, the New England Patriots versus the Miami Dolphins. New England wins 21-11. to 11. Cam goes on the ground, 15 carries, 75 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, I, I preached in the live show that Miami, Miami was going to have issues with New England's defense. I was 100% right. Fitzpatrick threw three interceptions. And New England probably could have scored more points, but they had a fumble into the end zone for a touchback and a missed field goal. Um, Ultimately, I thought Cam looked great. And they ran the ball over 40 times. It's clearly a different offense. And uh, I don't think we were going to expect anything different. I wasn't sure what to expect as far as just how the team was going to be ran. But it seemed like Cam was comfortable out there, and it seemed like the team was really rallying around him. It was a good hard-fought win. I think the Dolphins are improved despite only 11 win or 11 points. New England's defense is very good, and people will see that as the season goes on. They lost a lot of pieces, but like I said in the live show, secondary is all there, and that's the strength of the team. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I think one thing that we always talked about with Bill Belichick is he's going to find the strengths of all of his best players, and he's going to push down the gas pedal on those strengths. And Cam obviously can run and we talked earlier about how the Dolphins have two really good corners so of course the Patriots ran the ball it just happened to be with their quarterback instead of running back like years past um Fitzpatrick with three interceptions I know it's against the Patriots secondary but I'm sure if that stadium was full they would have been chanting for Tua already so that's got to be something that they're thinking about how much longer they're going to stay with Fitzpatrick can he bounce back um but don't be shocked if in a week or two they come out and Cam throws the ball 30 times because they're just going to do whatever they need to do to win. And with Cam's skill set, it poses a huge problem for offenses because if you have a bad first or second down, three yards almost seems like it's unfair for Cam Newton, the way he can run or pass. So they pose a huge problem. Bill Belichick's running that defense like he should have. Like you said, three interceptions. Um Dolphins seemed outmatched, but God, the the Patriots just ran and ran and ran and never looked back. Yeah, a couple of bright spots. Running back J.J. Taylor, um, undrafted rookie, initially didn't make the team. Um, Damian Harris ends up getting hurt, put on IR. J.J. gets put on the active roster, gets a few carries, has a couple of nice bursts. Um, He was a bright spot for some Patriot fans. We'll have to see, but Cam looked fantastic. Um, 
my gosh, there's memes everywhere about how good Cam looked and how bad Brady looked, and everybody thinks that Bill Belichick's already won the fight. I think this one's long from over, but uh, New England was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, um, and something with all the the rushing, it's overlooked. Cam threw the ball 19 times and completed 15 of them to five different targets. So he's spreading the ball around. He's not afraid to throw it, and he threw it efficiently. And if you can be one thing at quarterback, it's efficient. And he did that. So he did everything that was asked of him. He probably gave a few people out there a pretty good fantasy day. And uh, you got to say the Patriots are better than expected. We'll see when they play a better team because I know everyone had high hopes for the for the new roster Dolphins. But until they uh, get better quarterback play, it's going to be tough. It's always tough playing the Patriots. But Fitzpatrick is too inconsistent for this team to have any hopes of playoffs. We're going to find out real soon how good New England is because they play the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday night this week. So Everyone's that'll, watching. That'll be a fun one. That'll be a good one. Uh, moving on to game three, we have the Green Bay Packers playing the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, first off, I picked Minnesota. I was wrong here. Packers win 43-34. Um, very high-scoring game. Aaron Rodgers, like I predicted in the Bold Predictions episode, I thought he was going to have a big season. If he plays anything like he did yesterday – throughout the year, Aaron is going to have a hell of a year. Uh, shout out to Robbie predicted on the live show comments that Devonte Adams was going to have two touchdowns and over hundred yards that he did. He had a very impressive day, 14 catches for 140 ish yards and, and two touchdowns. What'd you think, Brad? Yeah. Um, I, I was wrong as well. Pre-game, I had the Vikings winning and I didn't have the Packers doing very well. Um, I don't like the fact that the Packers allowed 34 points, but when you score 43, you're not going to pay much attention to it. But there is a lot of questions that need to be asked about both defenses here because if you are playing the Packers, you come into the game and you say, we got to stop Devontae or we got to stop Aaron Jones. They really didn't stop either of them. So the big three had a massive day. Aaron Rodgers looked like 2011 Aaron Rodgers, and he just couldn't be stopped. Devontae Adams is the leading receiver in the league behind just Julio Jones, and it's by one yard. So Devontae Adams had a massive day. Like we pointed out, we said if he gave you anything under 25 in fantasy, you'd be disappointed. I think he got over 40. So the Green Bay Packers looked really good. They've got to they got to fix it up on defense and. What happened to the Minnesota Vikings? Christian Kirk, you guys give him a two-year extension, and then he throws five times in the first half? That's just confusing to me. It didn't look like balanced offense. They really turned it on in the second half. They played much better in the second half, scoring 24 as opposed to 10, and actually all 24 came in the fourth quarter. So it took the Vikings a while to get going, but – Green Bay, I mean, their offense was just too much to handle for the Minnesota Vikings, and it makes you wonder, are there, uh, they, they can't defend the pass. Our team's just going to throw all over the Vikings. Maybe the, I mean, the Lions have a good passing attack. Are they going to be able to beat the Vikings that way? I mean, who knows, but the Vikings did not look good at all, and the Packers, Packers look like a top three team in the NFC. Yeah, I will say that, this game was over in the fourth quarter. Minnesota just happened to get some scores. 
this game was this it was out of reach at this at that point. Um, they were trading touchdowns. Green Bay scored twice in the fourth quarter. So it, you know, yeah, and I get that, but when <laughs> I just don't understand why you're scared to let Kirk Cousins throw. I mean, he was three for five, and I know he had a pick in the first half, but in the second half, he was sixteen for twenty with two touchdowns. So I mean. He can clearly throw the ball. I mean, he has a mistake one time, but lots of quarterbacks threw an interception this week. So I just think it's weird how a new OC comes into the Vikings and then just doesn't pass the ball. Adam Thielen, you draft Justin Jefferson in the first round. You have Kyle Rudolph. You can even throw dump-offs to Dalvin Cook, and you only draw up that many passes. It's just it's odd to me. Hmm. Yeah, I, I guess let me say this. After week one, where are you at on the Packers? Better or worse than you thought? Definitely better. Where are you at on the Vikings? I had them at, in the bottom two in the division, so they're right about where I thought they were. I didn't think their defense was very good. I thought their offense would take a step back. Like you said, they got a lot of points in garbage time, but I don't like the Vikings at all this year. Okay. I'm a little higher on the Packers than I initially was. I'm still just as high on the Vikings. I think they probably – they're only going to be battling with Green Bay for the division, in my opinion, and we'll talk about why in a few minutes. But I uh, I think this was a big loss for them. They needed this one to kind of get a head start on Green Bay because if Green Bay truly is as good as they showed today or on Sunday, that's a good football team. Defense needs, some, defense needs some work. But moving right along – we have another game that I don't think either of us would have thought was going to happen. Jags versus the Colts. Jags get 27. That's enough. Colts only score 20 and they get the win. Jaguars start the season 1-0. and We weren't sure if they were going to get any wins. But I do want to say this. In the bold predictions episode of the pod, I predicted that Minshew was going to throw for a lot of yards this year. He didn't throw for a lot of yards, but he went 19 of 20 for three touchdowns. It was enough to get the win here. Rivers has two t- two turnovers, and that's going to be the difference. What did you think of this game? Um, <clears throat> first of all, the the Colts um, they come into the league they or this year they draft a wide or a running back in the second round. Um, they have two that work. You know, one's gone for the year in Marlon Mack now, but they asked Philip Rivers to throw the ball forty six times. I thought that was insane. Um, to throw the ball 46 times is a lot in any game, especially when one of your running backs has two touchdowns. I know one was receiving, and but, I mean, they were getting good yards. You look at their, their top two running backs entering the game, one averaged four yards a carry, the other 6.5. So it, I have questions there on the play calling, but I know I especially owe a huge apology to the Jaguars. Because I don't know if there was a better feel-good story in the NFL as a whole. Like, when are we going to stop calling it Minshew Magic? Because when I hear Minshew Magic, it makes me think of Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Fitz Magic. And how it's, like, crazy when he does good. I think we should kind of start expecting it out of Minshew. Like, when has he played terrible? This whole team's bought into him and... Everybody else, including me, we've bought into them losing all these big-name top-tier players. But they got a collective group of all these B guys that have bought in. And the wide receiving core, DJ Chark, 
uh, didn't have a lot of volume catches, but had a touchdown. Keenan Cole, who or Keelan Cole, who played well for him last year, fifty yards and a touchdown, and a rookie, Peep Evan, on this one. He likes this guy a lot too, and he told me to kind of bring him up. Their rookie that they drafted in the first round, Lavisca Chenault Jr. out of UCF, won the Bolitnikoff Award, three catches, thirty-seven yards and a touchdown. This team moved the ball. They were incredibly efficient. And I know they need more players on defense, but this team showed they're not just going to be walked over. And I think the Jaguars, we got to view them a little differently going forward. I still think they're in the bottom tier of the league, but they're going to play hard and they still field 22 guys. Just because they got rid of all these guys, it's not like they're going out there 6v11. They still field 11 NFL athletes. And I liked what I saw out of the Jaguars and completely changed how I view the Colts. They didn't look good at all. I don't so here's here's where I'm at on this game. I'm not an entirely I'm not that much more higher on the Jags after this game. The Jags are what they are. They're extremely under talented versus other teams. They have a lot of good guys, but they're under talented. They're they're nowhere near their competition on a lot of Sundays, including this game, and I'll argue that right now. Gardner Minshew outplayed Phillip Rivers, but not really. Rivers threw two picks, and that was the really the difference in this game. Indianapolis almost doubles what they do total yards. It, I mean, just complete. They completely doubled their passing. If not, I mean, three fifty-seven to one fifty. They had two hundred more passing yards. They were equivalent on the ground. I mean, Jacksonville got them by three yards. The interceptions were the difference in this game, and Jacksonville. I like Gardner Minshew. I think he's very good. He's nowhere near the reason this team isn't good. They've traded away literally everything. They're on. They're a complete tank. They're a complete rebuild, and I think they're going to get another win or two this year. I've I've changed course on the Jaguars, but I've also changed course on the Colts. Not that I thought the Colts were winning the division. I always thought the Titans were, but the Colts are much worse than I thought they were. If Rivers I, is, is truly going to be a forty. 40 attempt passer, this team's not going to be very good. I don't see out, outside of Deshaun Watson when I say this comment, I don't see how the, the the Jaguars are that much worse or even worse at all than the Texans or the Colts. Most division schedules, they play about 14 games that are the same. So if you're telling me the Texans have to line up against the same teams, the Colts and the Jaguars – I don't I don't I don't think it's that shocking to believe maybe not playoffs but I think this could be the worst records in football in the division outside of the Titans if they play well. I think the Jaguars could potentially come in second in the division even if they only won 6 games. I think that's how bad the Texans are and I think the Colts I mean the Colts could maybe turn it around but if the Jaguars can beat them the Jaguars they didn't allow big plays. They took the ball away, and they were incredibly efficient on offense, and that's going to win them plenty of games. It seems like they have good coaching. They got all the big egos out of that locker room. They're playing collectively. They're playing really good, and the Jaguars played a great football game. And I know some people want to say don't overreact, and Jacksonville's been so bad, but if they went 6-10, and 10, what we had the Texans at 1-7 and seven going into the bye week, 
we don't like what the Colts did, and they lost to the Jaguars. Phillip Rivers was a turnover machine last year, just threw two picks in the opener. I mean, I just think that there's a real possibility the Jaguars could shock shock the NFL this year. I'm not saying that they're going to be crazy good, but Garner Minshew, I think he's just he might be the most underrated guy in the league as of right now because people still look at him like it's okay. They're tanking for Tyler or Trevor Lawrence. They're going to get a new QB. You know, the team's just throwing everything away. What if they're doing it right? They're getting all the problems out of the locker room. I, I don't know. I like their wide receiver core. Their running backs played well after Fournette left. Gardner Minshew's a dog. That whole team rallies around him. And the defense, they're all trying to make a name for themselves. They all got something to prove. So, I don't know. I think if I'm a Jaguars fan this morning, I'm feeling incredibly optimistic about the season. Not high hopes, but incredibly optimistic for what they were before they played a snap. And that's that's fine. And I, I actually agree with you on, on pretty much everything you said. I just think this game was more of what the Colts did do versus what the Jags did. Like, for instance, the Jags' first touchdown, four plays, 27 yards. It came off a turnover. Yeah. Okay. Late in the game, they get a field goal in the third quarter, seven plays, 18 yards. They didn't, uh, that, I'm guessing that one came off a turnover. And then again, late in the game, four plays, three yards, field goal. The, the team isn't, they're not driving down the field. They did have one drive for nine, nine plays, 75 yards for a touchdown. Outside of that, they're just not driving on people. This isn't a team that's super talented. Um, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. They're, they're not going to beat themselves. They've at least shown that. They've at least shown that. They didn't, they didn't turn the ball over at all. And they scored when they had the opportunities. And Minshew was incredibly efficient, 19 to 20. I mean, hell. Yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. I just, I, uh, I feel better about the Jags and worse about the Colts, but I don't feel great about the Jags. I just think they're better than probably zero wins at this point. Obviously, they got one. I think they're good for another one or two more. I think it's possible that the Jags finish second in their division and still have a top or bottom 12 pick. Like, they could be picking 11th in the draft next year. I, I really think they can finish higher than the Texans and the Colts this year in division. Okay. Let's go ahead and move on to another NFC North matchup. And it's a good one. The Chicago Bears play the Detroit Lions. Bears won 27-23, but here's what's crazy. The Lions were leading 23-6 to going into the fourth, and the Bears score 21 unanswered in the fourth quarter. A little bright spot for Detroit. AP comes off, uh, I think he was there for less than 10 days, and he gets 93 yards in the opener. But Detroit biffs away another one. Uh, I think me and you are both high in Chicago, but for a reason that wasn't even involved in this game, Nick Foles doesn't play. Trubisky plays extremely well. Where are you at on this? Where at I am on this, and maybe this is a hot, hot take here, but... It's always fun, and you can't tell me it's not, to poke fun at Bears fans about Trubisky. Am I right? It's really nice just looking at a Bears fan being like, oh, you guys are starting Trubisky. You know, it's a laugh. It's funny, yada, yada. Maybe, maybe it's Matt Nagy. And I'm not saying that Mitch Trubisky hasn't played bad at times, sure. But when Mitch Trubisky came in, this team went, what, was it 13-3 and or 12-4 and and won the division? Maybe it was 12-4. That was two years ago, right? And yeah. everyone says Mitch Trubisky, this, that they're drawing these short throws, making it run, and everyone's like, 
Mitch Trubisky can't do it. Well, what happened this game is the Lions were kicking the Bears' butt. They were up 23-3 to at one point, correct? Uh, 20... 23 to 6. 23-6. They were up 23-6, to and Matt Nagy said, we have no choice now but to let Mitch Trubisky throw the ball. And Mitch Trubisky lit it up. I mean, that's just what happened. They opened the playbook, said we have to score. We have to score fast. They started throwing the ball down the field. Allen Robinson had that diving catch down the middle of the field. Mitch Trubisky was scampering. He was throwing. And Mitch Trubisky looked like a completely different quarterback. Mitch Trubisky played so well in the fourth quarter. And I'm not saying, okay, Bears are Super Bowl bound now. But you're not going to tell me that that defense didn't see Mitch Trubisky playing that way and it ramped them up in the fourth quarter. Because the Lions were scoring all the way up until the fourth quarter. They scored three in the first, 10 and 10 in the second and third quarter. They got goose egged in the fourth. And now I know DeAndre Swift dropped that touchdown. Rookie's going to rookie sometimes. That happens. But Mitch Trubisky threw the ball 36 times, completing 20. He added another 26 yards on the ground, threw for 242, three touchdowns, no picks, took care of the ball. Down 21, he didn't turn the ball over. You, we already talked about Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, and uh, you know Ted Ginn, and and some guys that they also got on the roster. Cordell Patterson had four carries, and he added uh, he added another catch. They have um, Jimmy Graham played well, three catches, twenty five yards, touchdown. I just I had high hopes for this team, and I thought it was going to be through Nick Foles. And as much as I give crap to Bears fans, I've always been on the side of. I don't think Mitch Trubisky is this bad. I don't believe he was a second overall pick. But I believe Mitch Trubisky is better than a lot of people give him credit for. And I I was really happy to see Mitch Trubisky do good. And I know there's a lot of local fans around that are Lions and Bears fans. And this made them want to throw up when they see the Lions. You know, everyone can say the Lions fell apart and choked. But outside of that last drop, Maybe, just maybe, we give some credit where credit's due, and the Bears just outplayed them in the fourth quarter. But I'll throw it over to you. No, I, I, everything you said is pretty much dead on. I think uh, the biggest takeaway is Lions had a shot to win this game multiple times. They they led, obviously, big throughout most of this game, and, you know, they had a shot late. Rookie drops the ball, you know, the, the, right into his hands, and it, it's a tough it's a tough loss. And I, I do believe that Chicago's a better team than Detroit. But Detroit outplayed them. And it almost makes you think maybe Detroit is good enough to, to win games. And then just, they're just not, you know. And I will say this. They were without Kenny Galladay. They had solid games from Danny Amendola and TJ Hawkinson and, and Marvin Jones. And, um, again, Adrian Peterson had a fantastic day. Yeah. You know, he had he had 17 touches for over 100 yards between receiving and, and rushing. I mean, a great day for him. I think they I think they got more than they asked for. If we're if we're, you know, but it's it's not enough. And today, I am just as high on the Bears as I was, and my thoughts haven't really changed on the Lions. This is this was a typical Lions game. This yeah. If you ask the average Lions fan, they'll tell you that. I mean, this was the typical Lions had the lead and they lost it late, just like they did last last year on week one, except the game ended in a tie. I mean, this is very typical of them. Yep. I, I, a lot of times I like to go to fans of the team to see what they think. 
And uh, there's not a single Lions fans I talk to that doesn't look me in the eye and say, we just need a different coach. Matt Patricia's not working out. Uh, I don't know if he makes it through the year. They blew what they they had the lead in 11 games and lost like eight or nine of them last year. Those numbers might be off a little bit. I don't have them in front of me, but it's your it's same old story under Matt Patricia. You're right, though. They didn't have Galladay. That hurts. But yeah, they knew that before the game. They had a game plan going in. They executed. But then after the scripted plays were gone, the Bears outplayed him in the fourth quarter. Kudos to Mitch Trubisky. Moving right along here, the game that we talked about on the live show, and uh, probably one of the more fun fun games of the weekend. I mean, I think we, I don't remember if it was you or me, or we both kind of agreed, but we thought this would be one of the highest scoring games of the weekend. It wasn't number one, but it was definitely one of them. Raiders and Panthers. Uh, Raiders take the, take the win 34-30. Lots we learned about this game. I'm sorry. Lots that we confirmed in this game. First off, Josh Jacobs was incredible. Three touchdowns, um, over a hundred total yards, uh, on the live show. I, I told every single person to start Robbie Anderson. If he was in fact the cheapest route for Carolina, um, he's who I liked the most regardless. But when I found out he was the cheapest option at DraftKings, I told you all to start him. He went for six catches, 115 yards and a touchdown. Great game from him. Uh, the only thing I picked up on this on this game is both teams don't have defenses. And the Raiders are not any better than I thought they were, and the Panthers are not any better than I thought they were. Um, I think both of these teams are going to struggle to stop people as they're both one of the younger defensive teams in the entire league. And I, Bridgewater looked a little worse than I thought. I'll say that. And the Raiders played a, a fantastic game, and it was enough. What do you think? Um, yeah, both teams have no defenses. Uh, I like I like a lot of the pieces on the Raiders with Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller. Um, you know their quarterback play was 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 good from from Carr. You know it's just it's crazy how neither of them could stop either team the whole game. It seemed like, and what's crazy to me is. I wasn't watching this game. I was getting a lot of updates, but it seemed like there was a score almost every drive. And there at the end, the Panthers had was a fourth and two, and they had to go for it. And they didn't give the ball to Christian McCaffrey. I think that's crazy. I'm not a coach, so I'm not going to question it. Most people say a fullback dive is going to get you some yards. But I, I just don't know how you don't give the ball to Christian McCaffrey there. I think he advances that drive. Who knows what happens after that? I'm not going to sit and talk on shoulda, coulda, wouldas too much, but the Panthers are going to be worse than I thought they were because their defense was atrocious, and there's no easy offenses in their division, and there's really not any easy offenses in the NFC, period. So I think the Panthers are going to have a rough way to go. They could have another top-five draft pick, and I know – People want to give Brett Bridgewater and McCaffrey some game, some wins here, but that defense couldn't stop anybody. They have a rookie head coach. I don't see them winning very many games, but the Raiders, I had them at three wins. This was one of the games I thought they could win. So I still think they're a three to four win team this year because of their schedule, but um, jury's still out. It's got to feel good for Raiders fans who listen to the pod, though, because all we do is poop on them pretty much. 
and they came out and won. So they're one and zero. It's got to feel extra good for Raiders fans. I will admit that I was wrong here week one. So that feels good too. But jury's still out on if the Raiders are a good team. We'll see going forward. Same thing with the Panthers. I don't think they're good at all. Yeah, the, the only proof I have here for that, just to prove that these teams are not good defensively, um, here's the amount of plays that it took these teams to score touchdowns. Um, these defenses just can't get off the field. So I'm going to start with Carolina here. Eight plays, field goal. Ten plays, touchdown. Seven plays, field goal. Eleven plays, field goal. Seventeen plays, touchdown. And then two plays touchdown. So obviously that one was kind of a fluke. It was kind of a big play, which kind of signifies a bad defense too. But And then here's the Raiders it, right back at them. Eight plays, touchdown. 15 plays, field goal. Eight plays, touchdown. Six plays, six plays. Uh, nine plays. Neither of these defenses can get off the field unless it's a 75-yard bomb touchdown. It, both of these teams were driving at each other like it's no tomorrow. And I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody that says these are top-10 offenses. Um, I will say this. The Raiders looked good offensively. And the Pack, the Panthers are what I thought they would be offensively. A lot of Christian McCaffrey. And uh, DJ Moore was solid. Robbie Anderson had a great game. Uh, Curtis Samuel, who I even talked about live in the live show, five catches for 38. Um, Bridgewater was getting the ball out to everybody. Um, just not enough. Not enough there. Uh, if you if you go through and you look at just the total stats on this game, they're almost identical across the board. This these teams are equal. But I will say that uh, I thought the Panthers were an eight win team. I'm going to backtrack on that. I think they're probably now that I've seen this and what their defense can allow, they're probably a four or five win team. And I have the Raiders at four wins, so maybe the Panthers are a four win team too. We'll see though. Everybody in their division is better than they are. And that right there is going to be hard pressed for them to get wins. So, anything yeah. else on that? If you have any fantasy players playing against the Raiders or Panthers, I'd play them because yeah. they're probably well, getting points. Absolutely, and we'll get to uh, we'll get to Mr. Tom Brady in a minute. But Tampa Tampa Bay rolls into Carolina this weekend. I think that's a massive matchup for any Bucks player. We'll, we'll I'm sure we'll see though. Uh, another game here. We have the Buffalo Bills taking on the New York Jets. Um, this one started off completely ugly. Uh, Bills win this one 27 to 17. Josh Allen was basically incredible. Three total touchdowns. He was their leading rusher as well. Uh, one of the big stories, Le'Veon Bell gets hurt. This game wasn't close. It's a closer score than it actually was. Uh, it started off 21 to nothing, I believe, maybe 21-3, but... Uh, where are you at on this game? I'm going to keep this one short and sweet. I don't think there's much to say here. We knew the Bills were going to be good. A lot of people had doubts on Josh Allen. I am not one of them. I've been in Josh Allen's corner. He played tremendously. They made a terrible team look terrible. There was a quote by, I believe it was Mike Greenberg. He said, I, <clears throat> I am lucky enough to have a grandchild who wants to play youth football, and I wouldn't hire Adam Gase to coach that team. The Jets are terrible. The Bills are good. The two teams played, and it looked that way. There's really not much to this. I'm not going to try and overthink it. The Bills just beat up a bad team on to week two. This was just a terrible game, uneventful. 
the only news we got was that Le'Veon Bell is gone for at least three weeks. This was two Josh Allen fumbles and one big play by the Jets for 69 yards to Crowder from being a 35 to nothing game. Just an absolute beatdown. So I'll give the Jets a little bit of props. They they were able to drive on them once. Outside of that, this was uh this was a slaughter. Also, go ahead. Le'Ve- sorry, Le'Veon Bell is going to be out for at least three weeks. I don't think it's crazy to think that when he comes back, it won't be in a Jets uniform. Yeah, he could be traded while he's on the IR. I, I'm not going to try and predict where. Maybe Steelers, but I'm not going to try and predict where. <laughs> but um, I I don't I don't even know if he's going to be a Jet when he comes back. We'll see though. Moving right along to uh, another matchup that we covered on the live show. I'll give you your props, Brad. You were closer on this score than I was. I was way off. Ravens-Browns, it's the biggest lopsided game of the entire day. The Ravens spank the Browns. They score 28 unanswered points after it was 10-6. to What's to say here? The Ravens are loaded. Um, they started fast, ended fast, complete annihilation of the Cleveland Browns. Um, if you're a Browns fan, I mean, it, it's got a sting because you guys weren't even, it, it, I don't even, I'm not a loss for words trying to think of it. I had this game on the big screen. I had a Browns fan sitting next to me and my friend, uh, Jake Shimming. Some of you may know him. But, you know, I, I found myself not even watching the game after a certain amount of time because they were just destroying them. And I, I, I remember in about the third quarter, I look over to, to Shim and I say, look at me, man, like, what are you watching? Like, what's going on? What is the Browns' problem? And he couldn't even find – he's everything. They, they, they were just bad on defense. They were bad on offense. They were throwing interceptions. They were fumbling the ball. I mean, special teams, what is that fake punt on their second drive? The punter fumbles like it just looked like complete chaos. And I know it's I know it's only week one, but I mean, how did how is it the Cleveland Browns that always look the worst at the beginning? Like, how come they can never? I mean, we, everyone talks about the oh, they haven't won a season opener since 2004. They're like 120 and one since 1999. What goes on in this organization in the offseason to where they're so bad every time they step on the field the first week? Like, I, I just don't understand it. And and I know every Browns fan's thinking the same thing. You know you have a must-win game this Thursday, and it's not crazy to think that they could lose. It's just not, it's not crazy. The Bengals looked better. Maybe that's because of the Chargers. We'll get there later. But the Browns looked bad. Their defense couldn't stop anything like not even remotely did the Ravens ever punt that whole game it didn't feel like it I mean it was complete annihilation they move on let's see if they can redeem themselves next week but god the Browns being so local with all the the people we know that are Browns fans like you can't even make fun of them anymore like they just I, I don't understand it I don't think Baker's the answer I think they should get rid of OBJ but then again, I don't know what, what will help this team and what won't because they bring in players and get rid of them all the time and nothing seems to work. Yeah, this was a mismatch, period. I mean, the crazy thing is is the Ravens are the best running team in the entire league and they didn't even beat the Browns running the ball well. They beat them passing it. 
maybe this team's better than we even think they are. Maybe the Ravens are even better than our minds comprehended. And that's I'm not trying to build up the Browns here because the Browns played terrible. They scored six points in the first quarter and didn't didn't improve. And you know you you targeted you targeted OBJ ten times. You complete three balls. I said this on the live show. I'll say it again. OBJ is not a good fit for this team. Never has been. It's not that he's a bad player. He's not. He's an elite receiver. This team, uh, I will give him props here. They tried to establish the run. They had 23 carries between Kareem Hunt and Chubb. They needed to have more. And I understand you can't run it when you're when you're losing. So uh, I don't have too much. I don't have too much to say. I expected this team to lose. I did not expect them to get blown off the field. I but, see that's uh, the thing. Um, like being in the AFC North as a fan and watching these teams like every year in and out, I predicted they lose by by um what was it? I said 31-13, right? I had them yeah. losing by 18. My dad said they lose by 20. You thought we were kind of crazy, but like I didn't even think that that was like a bold prediction. Like this Ravens team completely outclasses the Browns, and it was just I mean, I had the Ravens going 16-0. and I feel a little bit better about that. We'll see. I mean, they play the Chiefs in three weeks or two weeks now. That'll be fun. But um, Browns are in trouble, and, God, if they lose Thursday. <laughs> I'll say this. Baker Mayfield, he's been passed up. Burrow is better than him, and I've seen him play one game. Gardner Minshew is better than him. Ryan Tannehill, who a lot of people wrote off, is way better than him. There's a lot of quarterbacks that are playing in today's NFL that we don't talk about and put on a pedestal. I just gave you three. Just three average or below, even below average quarterbacks in this league. They're all better than him. There's probably Tyler. more. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're good. Oh, if you're going to mention Kyler Murray, that's yeah. not even fair. No, no, no. I'm just saying Kyler Murray's the outlier, but Logan, uh, what's his name? Lincoln Riley. Lincoln, Lincoln Riley. Riley at playing it with Oklahoma, and as advanced as his offensive mind is, he got Rosen and Baker drafted, and they just didn't make it in the NFL. Kyler did. Maybe it's because he can run, and he, maybe he's just a better quarterback, period. But Baker and Josh Rosen, I think we were kind of, like, blinded by Lincoln Riley, I think is what happened. Yeah. Enough of the Browns. They're the Browns <laughs> until they're not the Browns, you know. Um, another game we talked about on the live pod. I, I'm pretty sure we touched on that. I know we talked about Russell Wilson. The Seahawks and the Atlanta Falcons. Seahawks go in there and they put the whooping down. 38-25. Shout out to a couple different people that predicted 10-point victories. Um, Shout out to myself and Brad who basically said that 1 o'clock games don't apply to Russell Wilson because they don't. And uh, Russell Wilson owns 31 of 35, 322 yards and four touchdowns. He had as many touchdowns as he did in completions. He actually had more touchdowns than incompletions for a while in the game. Matt Ryan was solid. He threw for 450 yards, by far the most of any quarterback week one. 
two touchdowns and a pick. Three of his wide receivers had nine catches. Is this more about the Seahawks or is this about the Falcons? It's about one guy. Patrick Mahomes is not the best quarterback in the NFL, and neither is Lamar Jackson. Russell Wilson is the best player in the NFL, and he took an average defense and made him look bad. They finally started to get him weapons. They draft DK Metcalf. They sign a veteran. They actually give him a a name tight end that people know in Greg Ellison who had a touchdown. And they give him Chris Carson, the stable of running backs. And this year they finally said, you know what? Year eight or nine for Russell. We're going to let you take – I don't even know if they have an offensive coordinator at this point. They let Russell do everything before the line of scrimmage. There's no fans, so he had complete control, and he was literally at practice. Russell Wilson is he, hes the best player in the NFL, and the Falcons against Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones lit it up. Matt Ryan threw for, I believe, the most yards in week one. Todd Gurley looked good, but every time Russell Wilson got the ball, it, it just looked too easy. He was flawless. This game is all about Russell Wilson, and he put he put this like the Seahawks are, they might be the team to beat in the NFL because he's they're gonna the only weakness to the Seahawks defense is if you have if you have just excellent perimeter weapons you have to have two of them so the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will move the ball against the Seahawks um, the Saints may be able to yeah. I, they played a team with two Pro Bowl wide receivers, and that's what it's going to take because there's nothing in the middle of the field really against Jamal Adams, Bobby Wagner, R- Russell Wilson. That That's all this game is, is Russell Wilson. It was his day. He took it over. No team was beating Russell Wilson on Sunday. That's what I took from the game. He's the best. Yeah, it, I mean, I will say this, bright spot for the Falcons. Todd Gurley got 14 carries for 56 yards and a touchdown. Not a bad debut. Not a bad debut. It makes me wonder if uh, if he's truly healthy. You know, he had two catches for a yard. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Time will tell. Not a bad. Uh, not a bad start for him. The crazy thing about the Seahawks, they did this in such a dominating fashion, and they didn't run the ball. They had 84 total yards, um, but they ran it at a really bad clip. They literally controlled the game they didn't turn the ball over just dominant russell wilson man just dominant and dk metcalf is a stud he definitely fell to the third round i mean tyler lockett can be their number two now and that's scary because he was able to be their number one for a while yeah yeah metcalf's really coming into his own lockett had a great game chris carson out of the backfield was catching everything and its brother scoring a couple of touchdowns yeah, I think we were already high on the Seattle Seahawks. Um, you know, at uh, this game wasn't close. The score is actually uh, respectful to the Falcons, but the, this this game was not close. That wraps up your week one uh, one o'clock games. We're gonna move on to the four o'clock games here. Uh, these games were kind of um, overshadowed by one specific game. We'll get there in a few minutes here, but let's start with Joe Burrow's debut. Um, Cincinnati Bengals play the LA Chargers. They lose 16 to 13. Chargers pick up the victory. 
Burrow's good, though. 23 of 36, 193 through the air. He had a pick. Uh, picks up another 46 and a rushing touchdown on the ground. Um, Tyrod Taylor was not great. 16 of 30, um, under 200 passing yards. I think he's going to lose this job soon because this team's better than they played. The, the Bengals aren't good enough to be in this game, um, but they were. What did you think? Um, I'm still high on the Chargers. Um, their defense definitely won this game. Tyrod Taylor's got to go. He was just staring down receivers. He made this, the terrible Bengals defense look good, honestly. Um, the team is way better than 16 points against the Bengals. They need better quarterback play. With that being said, the best cornerback group in the NFL, and Joe Burrow played really well. He was, but we talked about it. We thought Burrow would have a lot of yards and they would score a lot of points. I think the Chargers defense did really well against what I think is going to be a good offense. But um, Joe Burrow did great. Um, he's the third best quarterback in the division after one game, and I don't really have a problem saying that. Um, we talked about that on Baker already. But, yeah, it was really a boring game, low points. If Joe Burrow wasn't playing in this game, nobody would have watched it. Um, Chargers squeak out a win, and that's all that counts is the Ws, and the Chargers got it. So, I don't know. I didn't really take much from this game. I mean, my biggest takeaway is I think the Bengals will get a couple of wins this year. Um, Burrow played well for a rookie debut against a very good defense, a very, very, very good defense. And I, I, what I already knew, you know, a lot of people have said, well, Tyrod Taylor's won, you know, a lot of games in this league. Yeah, but you got replaced by Baker Mayfield. <laughs> this team is, is better than what they showed on Sunday. And their roster is a lot better than what it showed. So I think Tyrod needs to go get Herbert in there and get him ready to go. There's, I mean, if Burrow is good enough to play week one, so's so's Herbert. That's my biggest takeaway. Moving right along, uh, one of the more entertaining games of the weekend. Arizona, the Cardinals play the 49ers, and they upset them 24-20. to 20. Hopkins, 14 catches for 151. Kyler adds 91 rushing touchdowns or rushing yards with a touchdown. The Niners give up over 400 yards in this game. I, I know what your takeaway is, but why don't you go ahead and say it? I called it. I'd like to uh, give shout out to Robbie as well. He's been high on the Cardinals. He kind of uh, got me on the train thinking about it more and more the more we talk at work. Um, we're both in a league with 25 people in a weekly pickums, which you're involved in as well. Us two and a third guy are the only three that picked the Cardinals to win, and they did. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Tyler and David Nutter, especially. He's uh, he's talked to me on a few occasions of of being very down on the 49ers, and after one game, they they just put Sherman on IR, so their secondary is suspect. They're a train wreck at wide receiver. George Kittle sprains his left knee, and they could not stop the Arizona Cardinals. The 49ers, the, the scariest part is everyone else in their division looked really good this weekend, and they looked poor. They looked really bad. Um, 
they've struggled last year and this year with quarterbacks who can move in the pocket. And you look at some of the best teams in the NFC, you got Russell Wilson. Um, uh, the Cardinals are up there now with Kyler Murray. Aaron Rodgers can move. Uh, the teams in the AFC, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, like a lot of 60% of the NFL has quarterbacks that can move and the 49ers are struggling with them. And uh, the Cardinals actually took a page out of the Saints book and used DeAndre Hopkins like they use Michael Thomas. Short screens is almost like a running back. They threw it to him all the time, and DeAndre Hopkins just ate him alive. And, you know, the Cardinals were the better team, and they, they won. Um, the 49ers are in a load of trouble, and Cardinals put the league on notice. I disagree. I think the car. I my takeaway is the Cardinals are a better team than I thought they were, but I don't think the Niners are in any trouble. They're gonna play the Jets this uh, week, and they're gonna they're gonna whoop them. They're gonna beat them down. Um, I think we talked before the season started that the floor of this team is probably eleven and five. I still say that this is a playoff team, one hundred percent. They're still well coached. They still have a solid quarterback. They have. It, does, it seems like it doesn't even matter who's running the ball there. They get running backs all over. They are a little thin at receiver, and now they're a little thin at corner. But outside of that, man, this this team is still a, a run-first, play-action team, and I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they rolled off five straight, six straight, whatever it is. This is still a very good football team. But right. I'm, high, I'm higher on the Cardinals than I was yesterday. Um, yeah. I just think that the 49ers – had one big play, a slant to Moster, and he just was faster than everyone else and took it yard for a really long touchdown. Outside of that, the Cardinals kind of kept him in check. Like I, I, I think the 49ers will beat the Jets, but I don't know. The 49ers, they might be an 8-8 eight and eight team. I don't like Garoppolo. Kittle banged up. Speed wide receivers hurt with hamstrings and foot injuries. Your best guy in the secondary's out. You know, losing to Forrest Buckner might not have been a little thing. He was he was a monster in the middle of that defense. And, you know, they say they just replaced him with a first-round draft pick in, uh, in Kinlaw, correct? That's, no, they didn't get Kinlaw. But they drafted a guy, right, after losing yes. to Forrest Buckner? Yes. So maybe that's not going to be a plug-and-play like they thought. I just – I don't know. The – I don't like the 49ers going forward. They might sneak in the playoffs because the seven-win team and the NFC East is terrible. But we'll see. I, I didn't like what I saw to the 49ers at all. Okay. And their division. I mean, that's another thing. You think they're better than the Seahawks, Rams, or Cardinals? Because the Cardinals just beat them. The Rams pose a huge problem with their wide receivers. Russell Wilson... He eats against the 49ers anyway. And if the 49ers are run first, they have Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams now. I just – I think this team might – I don't know. They've got a really they, – they, they have a really tough division. I, I don't think it bodes well for them. And I think 49ers fans are really nervous about this season. I think they're 100% better than the Rams. Mm. Um, and I, I still think they're better than the Cardinals. I do. Interesting. I think they're still better than the Cardinals. You know, if you guys listen to this podcast and you listen all the way through, I'd like this to be the first game you talk about because I think this is the first game me and Jeff truly disagree. What are your thoughts on the Cardinals and 49ers and what you guys saw? I'm interested to hear it. Yeah, yeah. Um, go ahead and post it on the Facebook page and uh, let us know for sure. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move to 
the most watched football game of week one. This drew a massive rating. 26 million people tuned in for Tom Brady and Drew Brees, uh, Brady's first game for the Bucs. Um, 20 million people tuned in Thursday night for the first game of the year. So this got almost, this got five and a half more million people than that game. And the Cowboys were on Sunday night and they only drew 18 million people. So it just goes to show you how many people really wanted to see a Tom Brady and him go up against Drew Brees. Drew Brees gets the best of them, 34, 23. Uh, my biggest takeaway of this game, I'm just going to, I'm going to lay out there. I think like a lot of people are going to point to Tom Brady, but I'm going to give you a better stat than that. Rob Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette, Sean McCoy. Those are the three big accusations in the in the um, offseason. But I'm going to throw Evans' name in here too. They combined for 34 yards and one touchdown. Not going to be enough. Going to need to see more from Gronk. Going to need to see more from Evans. Leonard Fournette's definitely going to have to take on a role with this team. I don't think LaShawn McCoy really matters, but um, – I don't even know if he's going to finish the season with this team. I think they're they're too talented all the way around. Uh, Scotty Miller out of Bowling Green University. Represent. Represent the local teams. Balls out. Catches five, five, uh, five balls from Brady. Yeah, Brady didn't play great. Threw a pick six late. Uh, Bucks had more total yards, more passing yards, more rushing yards. But the three turnovers in the pick six is going to be the difference. What's your takeaway? Anybody who's saying that the Buccaneers aren't as good as advertised or that Brady is bad or anything really negative about the Buccaneers, they, they literally, those people just don't like Tom Brady or they don't like the Buccaneers. There is no person that I've talked to or that I know that has rational thinking that thought the Buccaneers should have won this game. And and I know before Sunday you said you you said the the Buccaneers were going to win, and I understand the hype. You love Tom Brady, but if you would have sat down and thought about it, this was one of the easier calls. I mean, I had them winning by seventeen, which they were, you know, the nose of the ball away from actually doing. And twice in the second half they were up by seventeen. The NFC, you know, reigning favorites the last few years are the saints. They're a well-oiled machine. And all they did was add a pro bowler at safety and Malcolm Jenkins. You know, you have too many new pieces, way too high of expectations on the bucks to come in and even have a chance in this game. As much as the Buccaneers were off rhythm and didn't play well on offense. And even with Mike, Mike Evans with the, the, the half a hamstring, I think the most, I was impressed about on anything was two things and they were both the saints. One, I believe Alvin Kamara. He was hurt last year. He was vintage Alvin Kamara yesterday, top five back in the league. He was unstoppable yesterday. And two, the saints defense. Wow. Marshawn Lattimore, Janoris Jenkins, Malcolm Jenkins, the, the front seven with DeMario Davis and Cameron Jordan leading the way. The Saints, again, are going to be a team that wins 13 or more games. It'll be really fun to watch the second matchup later this year. And I know this game got a big rating because lots of people love Drew Brees. Lots of people hate Tom Brady. You're basically getting all the Patriots fans tuning into this game right after the Patriots were on. You know, this was going to be a huge rating game, but 
you can't take too much away from the the Buccaneers. Mike Evans gimping through the game. They're playing a machine in the Saints. I, I don't look at that too much, but the Saints, wow, they Alvin Kamara and their defense is impressive to me. I'm not gonna let you get away with this one. We're gonna hmm. disagree here. We're gonna disagree here too. Just like I thought the Jags and Colts game was more about what the Colts didn't do for the Jags to capitalize on. This game was much of the same. I didn't feel the Saints did anything that was that was special in this game. They you, you pointed out Alvin Kamara. He had twelve carries for sixteen yards. I, he wasn't effective running running the ball. Now he did have five catches for fifty in another touchdown, so he scored two touchdowns. So I mean the opportunities were there. They lost Mike Thomas, which I don't want to lose that because that's a big loss to them. And that factored into the Saints and how they attacked the Bucks. But Tom Brady threw two picks. One of them went for six. I, this, I mean, this team was a mess. Rob Gronkowski was a non-factor. Leonard Fournette was a non-factor. I think this team's a lot better than they showed. And, I mean, literally they beat them in every category outside of, of turnovers. And that right there is going to lose you a football game. I, I think just, that – that's all I really have to say. I think this I, team's much improved next week. I, they're going to improve all year. But I just don't think every time that someone does bad on offense, like the Colts or the Buccaneers, we should say, oh, well, you know, they just weren't themselves. Saquon Barkley just wasn't himself. Sometimes defenses play well, and they took a team that is relatively new, and they took advantage of it. You're saying, well, Tom Brady threw two picks and he threw a pick six. That's actually happened a lot in his last few games if we look at recency history. I, I don't all think right. that's All right, you know, all right, all right. And I'm not just attacking <laughs> Tom Brady, but, like, I mean, at some point we're looking at a, a little bit of something here. And I'm not saying that this is the new Brady. He's throwing picks everywhere. But there's a lot of people listening that I think would agree. He, he has thrown quite a bit of picks in his last few games. You look at um, Mike Evans, and sure, he was on half a hamstring and wasn't himself, but in the past three years, Marshawn Lattimore's his kryptonite. He doesn't play well against that cornerback, and they were at it from the first whistle. I And Alvin Kamara, he was second in the league last year in broken tackles. He did a lot of that inside the red zone. And I know he didn't have a crazy amount of yard totals, and neither did Michael Thomas. I think he had one catch for three yards. But at the same time, Kamara's stats didn't reflect what the TV showed. Everyone who was watching thought Alvin Kamara had a fantastic game. And he was playing against a good defense in the Buccaneers who had some good game plans. But I don't like just giving, you know, the offense weren't themselves – Offenses don't look like themselves when defenses make that happen. I like to oh. give credit to the defense too, and the Saints defense played phenomenal. One hundred percent, the Saints defense was a factor. Oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not insinuating that wasn't the case. I think he had three sacks, two picks, one one return for touchdown. No, absolutely. But I mean, the Saints ran it thirty-four times and eighty-two yards. I mean they ran it just over two yards a carry. Drew Brees was just barely over fifty percent. They didn't play their greatest game. And now the Buccaneers defense, for what people don't know, is very good. So this was this was definitely a combination of two things. Both of these two teams are very good offensively. 
both of these teams are very good defensively, and therefore the stats the stats showed it. Brady was, it was bad. Drew Brees was bad. This is two teams that are going to be in the playoffs, two teams that are going to win over 10 games, and both teams that are going to improve as the season goes on, no doubt. Yep. But I thought the Saints' defense was better than I had expected them to be going into the year. That That's all I'm trying to say. I thought they were better. I think they will prove to be a ridiculously good defense moving forward. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think both of these teams are much improved and, and will 100% be factors in January. Yep. On so. these episodes that we're going to do week to week on the podcast, a lot of them are going to be talking about who lost to the Saints and who lost to the Buccaneers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, a couple more games here. We're going into Sunday night, and we've wrapped up the 4 o'clock games. Sunday night had uh, had a big one. Had a really nice matchup. The L.A. Rams opened up their new stadium up against the Dallas Cowboys. The Rams get the win, 20-17. to There is a late offensive pass interference call. Um, you know, it is what it is. I, I don't believe that refs determine the outcomes of games. So we're not going to really get into that. At the end of this, I, I took one thing away. I think that I predicted the Rams were going to be 9-7. and I think the Cowboys are roughly a 10-6 and team. I think these teams are both between 9-7 and and 10-6. and I think they're both solid. They're not overly good. They're not overly bad. They're going to be mid-card teams all year fighting play, play, for playoff spots. Um, I would probably swap their records now that the Rams took one from the Cowboys. But ultimately, you know, I think the Cowboys are probably still going to win that division because of how bad their division is. And the Rams are in such a tough division that it's going to be very hard for them to get wins. But I think they're a better team than uh, than than they are bad. So that, that's really all I got from this game. I don't have too much. I I am pushing my chips to the center of the table, and I loved what I saw out of the Rams. The Rams had the ball for 35 minutes of possession. They ran tempo. Sean McVay did almost whatever he wanted to, it seemed like at times. They had long, sustained drives, even if they ended in field goals. They kept their defense off the field. My God, Aaron Donald is just ridiculous. Anybody listening or anybody wants to have fun, look up Aaron Donald like a little reel of what he did yesterday, pushing over multiple linemen, bench pressing Zeke Elliott in the backfield. Like he is just ridiculous. Jalen Ramsey, still one of the best corners in the league. I am going to say right now as a statement, and we'll see how it holds up. I think it'll be fairly accurate. The Seahawks, Cardinals, and Rams will all make the playoffs and the 49ers won't. That's an extremely hot take. I hope anyone who's listening wants to come talk to me about it. I did not like what I seen out of the 49ers. They are injured. I don't like Jimmy Garoppolo right now. I don't think the team is gelling. I I, I love what I'm seeing out of the Cardinals. They're only going to get better. Cliffs Kingsbury and Kyler Murray are on the same page, just having a great time out there. They have all the weapons. Russell Wilson's a dog. And the Rams, getting Todd Gurley out of the building, paying their stars, they move the ball efficiently. The Cowboys, I, I think the Cowboys are still okay because their division, it's competitive because it's so weak. The Cowboys, I, I, I don't even know. They, they have, they're like a better Browns. Like they just do so much stuff on so many occasions where it's like, why would you make that decision or why would you do this or why would you do that? I know I have two good friends, Nick and David. You guys are both Rams fans. I'm all in. I will be backing the Rams on this podcast going forward. And I loved what I saw out of the Rams. It was a close win, 
that's okay. Like I said, they don't ask how. They ask how many. And the Rams did what they needed to do to win this football game. I guess the one last thing I want to say before we go on is, can we just admit that Todd Gurley was either hurt or a bad fit or something was clearly wrong? This team decided that between Malcolm Brown and Cam Akers, they were going to run it 32 times for over 100 yards, over 110 down yards. Throat. Right down their throat. They didn't stop. They kept running it. It's clearly the strength of the team. They didn't have Goff throw it nearly as much as he did all of last year. Goff literally threw the ball 40-plus times a lot last year. He threw it 31 this time, completed 20 of those. They they ran it, and they ran it well. And they have another running back, Daryl Henderson, who a lot of people thought were going to get time. He didn't get too many carries. But I'll tell you what, this team is better off today, and I said this in the bold predictions, they're better off today than they were with Todd Gurley. I still don't have them being better as the Niners. That's completely fine if you do. Um, I think the Niners would have beat the Dallas Cowboys too. Just my opinion. Yep. I, I, I just like, I think in most games they're going to dominate time of possession and they have two absolute studs on their team. And I, I don't know. I, I, I like the Rams. I don't know. I guess that's all I got. It's week one. But I yeah. Like the Rams. It's, it's week one and they were impressive. They played well. Um, Brad, Monday night, I came over to your house and watched the first half with you. This was, uh, this was a fun one. Big Ben returns. The Steelers take on the Giants, and they win 26-16. to That score is a lot closer than this game was. Big Ben was terrific. Three touchdowns. New York. Whew. 20 carries for 29 yards. Two, inter- two INTs. Their offense was bad. Saquon could not get it going except for his one little long run on the ground. Um, you've preached it. This defense is loaded. I know you're 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 busting at the chops here. What do you got? Okay, first and foremost, I'd like to make one statement that cannot be disputed. The Pittsburgh Steelers have the best defense in the NFL. Period. I'll wait until they are proven wrong. I I know it was just the Giants, but there's no defense you'd rather have than the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I don't even know how you could argue it. Secondly, they did play the Giants. I know Saquon's explosive, but you do have to realize the Giants' offensive line, left tackle a rookie, right tackle's a journeyman. Their center was a right tackle until this year, and then they had to go against the Steelers' front. It's really not fair. Did anyone see Saquon running for minus six yards? I certainly didn't, projecting him to be offensive rook- or player of the year. Glad he didn't start his campaign week one, but we'll see how he does week two. Um, the Steelers' offense, for 17 minutes, they were terrible. Um, I do believe, and I know this hurts a lot of people in fantasy. This might be jumping the gun, might not, but I think James Conner might have lost his job last night. Um, or Monday night, excuse me. James Conner couldn't get anything going, really. Had five to six carries. I forget what it was. Let me look here. He had six carries. I think. No, no, no. I'm talking about James Conner real quick. Oh. He had six carries for nine yards, and then he kind of just went to the sideline with, I love him to death, but another injury. Benny Snell comes in, averages six yards a carry, third leading rusher in the NFL currently. I don't know if that'll stay that way. 19 carries for 113 yards. He he lit it up. But the story of the day for our offense is Ben Roethlisberger and Juju Smith-Schuster. Ben Roethlisberger, after the first quarter, he was Big Ben. And 
I don't, I really truly don't think, and I'm sure there's fans of multiple teams listening in. Do any of you want to play the Pittsburgh Steelers? I don't think so. I don't think there's a single team that looks forward to playing the Steelers. The Steelers are, I believe this was a statement game with Big Ben that the Steelers are a top three team in the AFC. I think they're right behind the Chiefs and Ravens. And you could argue the Bills. So I'll say they're top four. But the Steelers look like an absolute playoff team. And they look like a lock to win their division if it wasn't for the Ravens being in their division. Um, This is going to be an absolute bloodbath for the AFC North between the Steelers and Ravens. Those games are going to be huge as always. They're really fun to watch. I believe they play a Sunday and a Monday night this year, I think. I think both their games are in prime time. I will say one thing, though. As the offensive line for the Giants gets cohesion, this team is going to be good offensively, I believe. I think Daniel Jones, as bad of a day as the offense had for the Giants, he looked better than he did last year. That's not going to happen a lot to Saquon. Golden Tate will return. They tried to have Evan Ingram block TJ Watt. I don't understand that. I got to figure something else out. I get having him help, but maybe not on that kind of player. But the, 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 it was just it was just a mismatch. The, arguably the best front seven, I think the best front seven in football, played against one of the weakest offensive lines, and it showed. It's going to show against the Bengals as well. Look for that matchup. It's going to be crazy. I know my predictions fell short. I predicted we were going to get to 28 and over 400 yards of offense. Um, I believe we had about 370 yards of offense or close to that. Um, I think, about, yep, total yards, 349 and 26 um, points. Did fall short of both of those, but a very rusty first quarter. We uh, we had one fumble on a punt and one big play. That cost us 10 points, which those happen in games. But look for the Steelers to just start rolling as we move forward. Steelers are going to be a top team in the NFL, and it's good for the NFL when Big Ben's back. I don't disagree with too much you said there. Um, The Steelers won again on Monday night, making it 10 in a row since 2014. They're the only team undefeated on Monday night football since 2014. Go ahead and moving into our last matchup here. Um, Been a fun little pod. The Tennessee Titans go on the road to Denver. And this one was a, it was a weird game, kind of sloppy. 16 to 14, Tennessee picks up the victory. Gordon fumbles late and early. The Titans score off both of them. Titans score on a short field for the win. Titans run 77 total plays. The story of the game though. Former Patriot kicker Stefan Goskowski it was one of four from the field goals and then one of two from extra points. He missed a total of four field goals. One of them was blocked. Not a good outing. I'm shocked we haven't got the news that he's cut yet. Um, he was never that bad in New England. He was rough towards the end of his tenure. There. That's why he's on the uh, he's on the out and out. But, hey, I, I'm my biggest takeaway from this game is Denver has a lot of injuries and probably won't be as good as I initially thought this year because of the injuries. And they're going to have a long season ahead of them just trying to get correlated with each other. They have a lot of young talent. And Tennessee's just as good as I thought. They're going to run the ball down your throats. Tannehill was pretty good. Um, 
Again, they ran 77 plays. I think that was the most of the entire week. So, what do you think? It's not sustainable. Um, the Broncos didn't have a great outing. They do have lots of injuries. I don't know how long, but I believe A.J. Boye left the game at corner as well. Um, they had some bright spots on offense, but they're young. They're young still. We'll see what happens. The Titans did take the ball away. Good for them. But they needed the turnovers to put points on the board. They couldn't. They didn't have super long drives, I don't believe. What were their – their scoring drives were 19 yards – and what is this here? They started – okay, so the second drive was long. That was nice. Um, but their first touchdown, they needed to start on Denver's 23. Um, Derrick Henry cannot carry the ball 31 times a game. I, I don't believe he can last the whole season doing that. Um, they are undefeated when Derrick Henry runs for 100 yards. That's a nifty little stat. That's good for them. But I don't believe it's sustainable for Derrick Henry. I know we don't predict injuries, so I guess I'll say – they're pretty good, but they're going to need to have low-scoring games. Um, I don't think they want Tannehill to throw the ball 43 times either. He did well against the Broncos, but I don't know. The Titans are the trickiest team in the league for me because they win with Ryan Tannehill. They win with Mike Vrabel. But, like, I just don't like their team or their makeup or how they're built. I, I don't know. I, I, I just – it's weird for me to comment on the Titans. I, I don't like them, but they're winning games, so – you got to respect them, I suppose. Yeah, they're they're my number one in that division. I just think that they're at this point. I think they have the best coach in the division, and they have the best running game in the division, and they play pretty well, pretty good on defense. Um, and Ryan Tannehill, as much as we like to, you know, make fun of, him, I mean, he plays well. I mean, he's yeah, yeah, he's working. It works. You know, we laughed at the extension, like, hey, why would you? It's working. I honestly think it's kind of like how when the Ravens, it's like they say, it's not a team that you you prepare for every week because they're so different with how much Lamar Jackson runs at quarterback. Yeah. I think the Titans pose the same problem as like, you don't really tackle a Mack truck at practice or prepare for that. I really think Derrick Henry is like the, like when you just look at him, does any football player ever in the history of the NFL look like Derrick Henry? I mean, could you imagine how hard it is to tackle that guy? Like, he just he's he's tackling you for 60 minutes. Like, is what it's got to feel like for defense. It's just not something you prepare for all the time. You really have to you have to uh, you have to put commit so many people to the box to stop him that um, they they pose a tough matchup for a lot of teams because they're so different. And um, like, I look for the Titans, just like. Um, just like they did this game, there's not going to be too many games where Titans lose in time of possession. But I think that's a key stat for the Titans. If they win time of possession, I think they're going to win a lot of games. But if they don't have the ball and their defense is out there, I think this team can be beat. But you say number one, the division. I agree, but I think it's because by default, I don't love the Titans. They just, that's a bad division. Okay. Well, that pretty much uh, that wraps it up. Every single game from uh, from Sunday on, and it was a good good opening week of football, man. I uh, I had a blast just being able to sit down and every three to five minutes refreshing my fantasy app and 
and uh, seeing the scores going around and gosh, just having New England back and seeing Tom Brady back out there and even going over your house and seeing Big Ben back. It just football feels right again. And I didn't even notice that a lot of teams didn't have crowds. I mean, it just football was the main focus this weekend and it was great. And I'm excited for this weekend. What did you think? Yeah, um, I obviously it's great to have football back. And the one thing I want to reiterate is the the Facebook group is going strong. I really like how much people are sharing statistics. They're sharing their opinions. They're sharing little nuggets of information. You know, some are even comedy. But I really like how I'm sure there's a lot of people that are commenting or posting in this Real Talk group chat that have never met each other before. And I'm glad that me and Jeff could put out this platform where a lot of people can meet new people and just talk over sports. It's a great thing to bond over. It's really simple. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, we're really disappointed we can't do a live show this next weekend. But, gosh, we are really excited to have more people on. And I love you guys texting me or Facebook messaging me different little things that that you think going through the podcast. I just think this is a really fun thing. And you guys being such a big part of it, it's, it's really helpful. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun, and I enjoy doing this a whole lot. Yeah, guys, going forward, um, me and Brad, have uh, we've done a lot of talking about what we can do as far as a schedule. And are we going to be perfect? No, life happens, you know. But moving forward, we're going to try. So tomorrow we're going to do our first ever week one rankings, and we're going to give you just a short little pod you can tune in and we're just going to, all we're going to do is give you my top 10 and Brad's top 10. But for now on every week, Sunday morning, we'll try, we'll be real talk live on the Facebook group, interactive, having you guys comment, jump on if you'd like. And then Tuesday after the Monday nighters, we will have a short pod for you to listen to for our, our rankings. And then Wednesday, we're just going to go over, you know, what we thought of the previous weekend and how that football looked so just like we did today that's the goal i hope you guys are digging what we're doing what we're bringing you here and uh this is a long pod but to be honest most of these wednesday pods with uh with all these with all these game recaps will probably be long longer ones so uh until we at least get bye weeks outside of that brad anything else nope just thanks for listening guys all right guys we will be back tomorrow with uh with our top 10 rankings. Thank you for listening. Real talk is back tomorrow. Thank you.